In life sciences research, our data are growing, and solving the big problems increasingly calls for the fusion of genetic data with other rich data sets from omics, imaging, medical records, and population-level studies. Analytics and AI techniques like machine learning make that sort of data wrangling possible, but they often require a rethinking of IT infrastructure. Welcome to this BioIT World podcast. I'm Allison Prophet, editor of BioIT World. Today, I want to explore how workloads are evolving and discuss practical approaches to modernizing IT environments to support the increased variety of applications in the life sciences software ecosystem. Last week, I had the chance to sit down with Rob Lalone from Univa. We talked about some of this then, so I'm happy to have him join me today to dig a bit deeper. Welcome, Rob. Hi, Allison. Thank you for having me. So you are the general manager of Univa Corporation's NavOps business unit. Can you start by telling us what that entails? Yeah. So basically, I run the cloud product group. We have two product sets here at Univa. One is our grid engine workload management solution, which lots of people would be familiar with from the original Sun grid engine days. That does all the workload management. My responsibility falls, though, on the cloud migration part of the solution, allowing our customers to move their HPC workloads from on-premise to the cloud, basically, in either a hybrid or dedicated fashion. What's Univa's place in life sciences? So we have a enterprise customer base. It's about 250 customers. The largest vertical for us is life sciences. So of the 250, it's well over 60 customers that are life sciences customers. And in fact, 11 of the top 12 life sciences companies or 11 of the top 12 largest life sciences companies in the world are using Univa products. So they use us for everything from genomic sequencing to molecular modeling types of applications using products like NextFlow or Schrodinger or the Broads Toolkit or R. Basically using that, they have typically thousands of researchers throwing work at our clusters so that we can prioritize and manage the right work for those people. And we can now migrate it to the cloud with the NavOps product line as well. Great. So that's a broad customer base. What are the trends and shifts that you've seen from your customers over the past year? Yeah, that's a good question. We are seeing a shift in the marketplace, say, from the prior five years or so where things weren't changing dramatically. I think there's four kind of interrelated trends we're seeing. So one is migration to the cloud, as I mentioned earlier. We're pretty focused on that. Uh, The other is machine learning and AI really starting to become a big focal point for our customers. And then maybe to a lesser extent, things like containers and storage are changing dramatically. And I think they're all intermingled. So if I explain that, genomics is exploding in life sciences. A recent study said over 60 million patients will have the genome sequenced by 2025. And by 2025, that'll actually exceed YouTube's projected storage needs. So that explosive demand is going to lead to cloud usage. And in turn, all that data is going to lead to uh, cloud migration and more storage needs. And that portability of the cloud is leading to container uses. So you can see how all these sort of four trends are interrelated. You mentioned some of the buzziest trends, machine learning and AI. How are you seeing those applied practically within life sciences? Yeah, so we're seeing a lot of ML within our life sciences customer base. It kind of took us by surprise a little bit. It was just happening without us really knowing in that we saw a lot of GPUs starting to land on the clusters we were managing and then following that, a lot of AI and ML workloads. I think what we're seeing is as people really digging into it in a big way. I just saw a study from earlier this year that talked about 70% of life sciences customers are using AI, an additional 19% plan to use it in the next year. So that's pushing 90% of life sciences customers doing stuff with ML and AI. But I think the 
kind of corollary to that is that 40% are really not getting meaningful results as yet. So I think the results are going to come in time and with the experience and with the data migration that's happening and all the learning and skill sets coming up to speed with this stuff. So it's going to take some time to get there, but everybody's doing it. And I think the hard work and maybe even the trough of disillusionment are ahead of us with respect to ML and AI. Do you think the trough of disillusionment is still to come then? Yeah, I think with ML, AI it is. I think just because there's this heavy, heavy effort to get to use that in all these organizations, yet they're not seeing the results as yet. So there'll be a little bit of a dip before people start to really get productive and start to get results out of ML and AI. So how does cloud play into this? I know you're focused on that. What changes are you seeing as people try to start implementing these new technologies? That's a real big trend within our base and obviously within the industry. I'm not telling you. It would be a big surprise, but we did a survey of our base two years ago, and again, uh, early this year, and we saw a move from just a handful of customers doing cloud to a full 61% either move to the cloud or in the planning phases. So that's a big shift in two years. And then within that, the people that are already figured out what they're doing and in the migration phase, 70% of those are going to do hybrid cloud and the other 30% of those will be dedicated. So it's a big shift, as I said. I think the drivers are the increase in community demand. That goes back to maybe some of the things we talked about earlier, like the boom in genomics. I think there's a focus on uh, people wanting to just focus on their core competencies, you know, creating drugs, not doing IT. And then uh, a shift from CapEx spending to OpEx spending is a driver as well. I think in parallel to that, the barriers to moving to cloud are falling. So people aren't as concerned about data security. In fact, they're finding out that many of these public clouds are more secure than their internal infrastructure. They're gaining the cloud expertise now, which was a barrier. Legal and compliance issues, particularly in healthcare life sciences, was an issue. And then the cloud providers are just really getting up to speed with HPC-like technologies, so faster drives, SSDs, and really high-density machines and GPUs in the cloud. So I think all these things are leading to uh, what we see as a major trend within our base and I think within the industry in general. So you talked about a shift in cost modeling and spending model. How does that change how people use the cloud? What do you think is the right model for making optimal use of the cloud while still controlling costs? Yeah, that's a good question because we've talked to lots of customers who said we're not going to do cloud. And some of those customers are still out there and some of them have changed their view of it. We had customers say the cloud is going to cost us four to eight times what it cost us to run on-premise. And part of the reason for that is because HPC customers, big clusters, are running at very, very high utilization. So they're using products like Grid Engine to make sure that the cluster is always utilized and that those thousands of researchers are always driving their activity, their maximum utilization. So it makes it difficult for cloud providers to compete on a pure cost basis. But I think as the costs have come down, as the technologies have improved in the cloud from an HPC perspective, there's models that work. And I think one of the models that we see a lot of is a hybrid model where people can provision their on-premise cluster to kind of an average or maybe a 70% utilization kind of level, take the peaks off that cluster when they really have peak demand and burst to the cloud for those peaks. And that's that way you get kind of an optimization of CapEx spend versus OpEx spend and can really uh, save money. You're not spending as much CapEx and you're also only using the cloud and spending OpEx when you need it, and you're turning, if you're efficient at turning off those cloud instances through things like automation and predictive analytics and doing really effective cost management, you can be very prudent with your spend. 
we've all heard the horror stories of people forgetting to turn off instant in the cloud or uh, take down their storage and getting these massive surprise bills. So automation and management of that cloud is really, really important. So before we go, I'm going to ask you to peer into your crystal ball. Do you have any predictions for high performance computing next year? Yeah, I think it's a bit more of the same of what we've talked about. I think it's around cloud and machine learning and containers. So what I would say without getting into specific numbers, because my crystal ball isn't that clear, is that I'm really confident that the cloud migration is going to accelerate in 2019 within both HPC and Life Sciences. Life Sciences is our most active vertical with cloud as it is. So I think we'll see a shift from where people were testing and doing small dedicated clusters to doing more hybrid and just an overall increase in the activity in cloud. So that's one. I think we will start to see a shift from ML workload being very difficult to quantify from the standpoint of results, as I mentioned earlier in the survey, where they just weren't seeing if they were getting the results of their ML activities. I think we're going to start to see those results in 2019, 2020, where people are starting to get real tangible breakthroughs with machine learning. And that's going to be fantastic for all of us. And then I think containers as well. It's starting to mature a lot. We're starting to see a pretty much used in every organization, maybe not every workload is containerized yet, but certainly everybody's dabbling in it at this stage of the game. And we're going to see uh, new formats like OCI and Singularity start to move into position and threaten a little bit of Docker's dominance. But containers will be a big thing for the year ahead as well. But cloud migration is going to be by far number one. Thank you again, Rob. And thank you for joining us for this BioIT World podcast. Find more podcasts news, and resources at www.bio-itworld.com.